Good morning and welcome to Christ Central Online. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Um, because of the surge uh, in COVID cases, not only in Northern Virginia, but also in our own church family, and in order to do uh, uh, our small part, in order to help slow the spread of COVID, uh, our, the elders of our church have decided to offer only virtual services today and next Sunday. And we'll be in regular communication with you as to whether we'll continue with virtual services or, or return to in-person services following that. But I just want to thank you for your patience and your understanding as we're trying to wisely navigate a very fluid and ever-changing uh, situation. So thank you, uh, Christ Central. Uh, this year, we're studying the book of Acts, and we're calling the study um, Being the Church. And the goal of this series is for us to learn from the early church what it means to be the church for our time and for our place, uh, for the glory of Christ, and for the spiritual good of Northern Virginia. And the title of today's sermon is Strengthening the Church. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 14, and we're going to read from verse 19 to 28. But before I read our text for us today, here's just a little bit of context. Now, if you recall, back in Acts 13, the church in Antioch had sent the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark on a mission to preach the gospel. And they went to several cities and preached the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles in those cities. And many people who heard the gospel believed the gospel. They became believers, and these new believers formed new churches in these cities. And although many people embraced the gospel, there were way more people who rejected the gospel, and they opposed and persecuted Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. And some of them even stoned the Apostle Paul and left him for dead because they hated the gospel about Jesus that Paul was preaching. And in today's passage, we're going to see this missionary team head back to their home church in Antioch, uh, where they're going to give a mission report to their sending church about all that God had done with them and through them. But on their way back, they make a detour and they visit all the churches that they planted in those very cities so that they could strengthen those churches. And the reason why they needed strengthening was because those churches were discouraged. And they were discouraged because they were experiencing opposition and persecution because of their new faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's the context for our story today. So people of God, this is the word of God. Would you please give it your careful attention? But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, a city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. 
So here's the outline for today's sermon. First, the need for strengthening the church. Second, the means for strengthening the church. And third, the one who strengthens the church. Let's start with the first point. The new disciples and these new churches that Paul and Barnabas had planted were discouraged. And they were discouraged because they were experiencing opposition, rejection, and persecution for their new faith in Jesus as the promised Messiah. And the zealous anger of the Jews who tried to kill Paul by stoning him was reflective and indicative of how the Jews who rejected the gospel felt about the Jews who embraced the gospel. They believed that the Jews who believed and proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ, they were committing blasphemy. And maybe the zealous uh, anger of the Jews, uh, these uh, zealous and angry Jews mistreated and physically assaulted the new Christians the way that they had physically assaulted the Apostle Paul. And maybe these new Christians didn't expect to receive so much disdain and so much hatred for believing in Jesus. Maybe they began to doubt if the persecution and the social stigma of being a Christian was worth it. Maybe they considered abandoning the Christian faith and returning to Judaism and returning to their Jewish social circles. Now, we don't know all the details of the hardships and the tribulations that the new churches were experiencing, but we do know this, that they were discouraged and they needed to be strengthened and encouraged. You see, suffering and hardship have a way of causing Christians to experience discouragement and doubt and fear. Suffering has a way of making us feel weary and feel like giving up and making us wonder, is following Jesus worth it? It's so hard and I'm so tired. Is Jesus worth all of this? And when we become discouraged and doubtful and afraid, and when we begin to think about giving up on our faith in our weakest and lowest moments, we need to be strengthened and encouraged. You see, whether you're a new believer that just began walking with Christ, or a seasoned and mature believer that's been walking with Christ for decades, we all become tired and discouraged and afraid at times, and we all need to be strengthened and encouraged. Now, the Bible candidly speaks about or talks about four different types of sufferings that we can experience as Christians in this fallen and broken world, and each type of suffering can cause discouragement, doubt, and fear in each and every one of us. First, there is suffering that we can experience because of the gospel. This was the kind of suffering that the Apostle Paul experienced when he was physically assaulted and stoned for preaching the gospel. This is the suffering of persecutions that Christians have experienced from the very uh, beginning of the Christian church because of their allegiance and loyalty to Jesus and to the gospel. Now, by the grace of God, Christians in America are not being persecuted for our faith in Christ. We might be ridiculed or socially mocked, but we're not being persecuted. And honestly, a lot of the criticism that the church in America receives is deserved because the church in America has done some very sinful, foolish, and very unchristian things in the name of Christ, both in the past and even in the present. But in other parts of the world, Christians are being persecuted for their faith in Christ. Christians in North Korea are being killed for their faith in Christ. Christians in China are being imprisoned for their faith in Christ. Christians in Afghanistan are being driven from their homes. All of their worldly possessions are being taken from them, and they're forced to live as refugees because 
of their faith in Christ. And when Christians suffer like that because of their faith in Christ, they can, be, they can become discouraged. And they might even ask themselves, is this all worth it? Is all the suffering, all the loss, all the pain worth it? Is Jesus worth suffering and losing everything for? Second, there is suffering that we experience because of things beyond our control. This is a suffering that all people experience in this world uh, uh, because of things like famine, sickness, aging, and death, which are all beyond human control. And right now, the whole world is suffering because of the uh, COVID pandemic, which is beyond our human control. About two weeks ago, I tested positive for COVID, and to be honest, it was pretty rough. But it was not as bad as it could have been because I was vaccinated and boosted. So thank God for vaccines. So let me encourage you to get vaccinated if you haven't been vaccinated yet. But the hardest part of having COVID for me was the isolation. For 10 straight days, I had no physical contact with another human being. No hugs, no kisses, no nothing. I ate every meal by myself. My wife would prepare food for me and leave it on the kitchen island, and then she would leave the kitchen, and then I would come up out of the basement like some leper emerging from his dungeon, get my food, go back into the dungeon, uh, I, I mean the basement, and eat by myself. I felt like I was in solitary confinement for 10 days. It was the loneliest I had ever been in my entire life. And I think I was a little depressed, to be honest. Now, getting COVID was beyond my control. And like so many others at this time, my family and I suffered because of COVID. But there are others who are suffering a lot worse because of COVID. Some have even died. Uh, Jay Weaver, the bassist and the vocalist for the Christian ba uh, band uh, Big Daddy uh, Weave, he recently died because of COVID. And he was only 42 years old. It's so tragic and so heartbreaking. But it's not just COVID, right? There are other things that are beyond our control that can cause great suffering in our lives, like being diagnosed with cancer or a sudden and unexpected loss of employment or income or some other unforeseen accident or misfortune that we could not have anticipated, nor do we have the power to prevent. And all of these kinds of things are beyond our control, and they can happen to any one of us, whether we are Christians or not, and they can cause great suffering, which can lead to discouragement, fear, and anger. Third, there is suffering that we experience because of the sins and foolishness of others. When someone lies to you, or someone mistreats you, or gossips about you, or yells at you in anger, or betrays your trust, or abuses you, that can really hurt. That can cause suffering and trauma, and it can lead to discouragement, anger, and fear. And it is especially hurtful, especially traumatic, when you're sinned against by other Christians. And even worse, when it's a pastor or a Christian leader that uh, sins against you and abuses you. You see, spiritual abuse and the abuse of power by well-known and influential pastors and Christian leaders can not only lead to great discouragement, but also to disillusionment. And those who are the direct victims of spiritual abuse, the trauma is real, it's deep, and it's long-lasting. And recently, 
in light of the horrible abuses of power uh, by pastors that are being exposed and reported and the broken systems that empowered and protected these abusive powers, a lot of Christians, especially the younger generation of Christians, are deconstructing their faith. Now, I believe that deconstruction is a good and healthy thing. We need to deconstruct what is unhealthy and toxic in our beliefs, our systems, and our practices. Simple beliefs and simple practices that stem from racism, sexism, patriarchy, and toxic masculinity must be named and rejected. We need to deconstruct and repent of those things. And after deconstructing what is sinful and flawed, we need to reconstruct something better, something more beautiful, and something more biblical. Any belief, any system, or any practice that does not value or protect the dignity and worth of all human beings as image bearers of God must be deconstructed, and something better must be reconstructed in its place, especially in the church. So the painful and humbling process of, of deconstruction and reconstruction for the purpose of honoring God and for the purpose of loving people is, is good, healthy, and necessary for the church. But what is so heartbreaking and so tragic is to see Christians deconverting, seeing them abandon the Christian faith and leaving the church altogether because they're so discouraged and even disillusioned, not only by the abuses of pastors and Christian leaders, but also by churches and Christian organizations that try to cover up and minimize those abuses, and sometimes even attacking the victims in order to protect the abusers in a misguided and unjust effort to protect the reputation of the church or Christian organization. You see, the cover-up of abuse is worse than the abuse itself especially in the church. The suffering and the trauma that are caused by the spiritual abuses of pastors and Christian leaders is discouraging, demoralizing, and disillusioning. Fourth, there is suffering that we experience because of our own sins and foolishness. We've all suffered the consequences of our own foolish, unwise, and sinful actions and words. Whether it was exploding in anger toward our children, or betraying someone's trust by lying to them or by cheating on them, or by doing something selfish, immature, or unjust, we have all dealt with the painful consequences of our own sinful and foolish actions and choices and words. And all of us have brought suffering not only into our own lives, but into the lives of the people that we love because of our foolishness and sin. And the guilt and the shame and the self-loathing that we feel because of what we have done can leave us very discouraged and even depressed. And as we struggle with the guilt and the shame, we wonder if Jesus can still love us, if Jesus still wants us after the hot mess that we've made of our lives or, or the mess that we've created in other people's lives. You see, as Christians, we will experience all four types of suffering at some point in our lives, sometimes multiple types of suffering at the same time. And when we do, we can be discouraged and downcast, and we might wonder if it's really worth it to keep following Jesus. And when we're discouraged and downcast, we need to be strengthened and encouraged. Now, maybe you're discouraged today 
Maybe you've been discouraged and weary for a while as you've been enduring this pandemic that seems to never end. And maybe you need strengthening and encouragement today like I do. So next, let's consider the means for strengthening. Because the young churches were discouraged, Paul and Barnabas visited them, and it says that they strengthened the souls of the disciples. And how did they do that? They did that by doing two things, two means of strengthening. Here's the first. It was through apostolic encouragement and teaching. In verse 22, we're told that Paul and Barnabas encouraged the church to continue in the faith, to remain faithful to Christ in the midst of their suffering. And they taught the church that it was through many tribulations, many hardships, that we must enter the kingdom of God. I think one reason why suffering is so discouraging and maybe even shocking and dismaying, uh, dismaying, especially for us Christians who live in Northern Virginia, is because we don't expect to suffer. Deep down, we functionally believe that we should not suffer. Now, as Christians, we know that the world is fallen and sinful. We know that suffering and pain are realities in this world. And yet, strangely, we functionally believe that we should somehow be exempt from suffering. Maybe it's because many of us live in wealthy and safe suburbs. Maybe it's because we have great access, access to great education and to great medical care. Maybe it's because uh, we follow the rules and we live very moral and responsible lives. Maybe it's because we seek to be faithful to God and we somehow in our mind think that God owes it to us to bless us with a good life. But we naively or maybe arrogantly think that we should somehow be immune from suffering, that we should somehow be exempt from suffering. And we secretly think to ourselves, other people may suffer, but not me and my family. I might get the flu, or if I get COVID, surely it's going to be with mild symptoms, but I should never get cancer. Suffering may be out there in the world, but it should never be in here in my life. And so we get surprised. Shocked even, dismayed when real suffering comes into our lives because deep down we don't think that we should suffer as Christians. But if you've been a Christian for any length of time and if you've read the New Testament at all, you know that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said plainly and clearly that suffering is normal and to be expected in this life, even for his disciples. Jesus said that we as his disciples will have trouble in this world. And the New Testament is repetitive and explicit about this. Christians will suffer all sorts of trials, hardships, and tribulations and sufferings in this world. Paul Borthwick and uh, David uh, Ripper uh, in their book, The Fellowship of the Suffering, said this. Scripture is emphatic. Suffering in all of its forms is an unequivocal, inescapable part of not only the fallen human condition, but the Christian life. We read that, and you hear me say this, but I know you still have a hard time believing me. I know that because I know, I've thought this, and I still think this many, many times. And this is how my thinking goes. Well, maybe suffering was a lot more common back in, uh, during the olden days of the Bible when, when people were a lot more primitive. But we now live in the 21st century with all the scientific, medical, nutritional, technological, and social advances that we have. We should be able to minimize suffering. 
maybe avoid it altogether. But that is such a biblical, it's such an unbiblical and unrealistic way of thinking about life. To think that we can somehow avoid suffering and pain in this life, or worse, we think that God somehow owes us a suffering-free and a pain-free life because we've been so faithful to him. Today, Christ Central family, I want to manage your expectation and your hopes according to the word of God. First, I want you to lower your expectations for a suffering-free and a pain-free life. Jesus never promised that you would be spared suffering. In fact, he promised the exact opposite. He promised that you would suffer in this world. And the Apostle Paul says in our text, it is through many hardships that we must enter the kingdom of God. So expect suffering to come into your life. Now, don't go looking for it. Don't go chasing after it. But you should expect it. So that when it comes, it doesn't shock you or dismay you, or throw you into spiritual crisis. You see, if you expect suffering, then you can have your heart broken when suffering comes without letting your faith be broken. If you expect suffering, then you can shed tears to Christ when suffering comes without shedding your faith in Christ. So first, lower, or better yet, get rid of any expectations of a suffering-free and a pain-free life in this world. But second, I want you to increase and more fully embrace your hope of the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul said in his letter to the Romans, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When suffering and pain and disappointment come into your life, it is then that we can realize and remember yet again that our true hope is not that our earthly lives in this world will be great. Our true hope is that our eternal life with Christ in the kingdom of God, that will be great. In that place where there is no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, and no more death. You see, everyone in this world will suffer. Suffering will come to us all, whether we're Christians or not. But as Christians, we can respond differently to suffering than those who have no hope. And that's because we can see by faith beyond the suffering and the hardship, and we can see beyond and above all the way to the kingdom of God. You see, if this life and this world is all that there is, if there is no hope beyond this life, then it is understandable for people to freak out when they suffer and when their most precious things are taken from them. But as Christians, we have the hope of heaven. And we believe that we will be with Christ in the kingdom of God after this life. And if we believe that, we can have poise and grace and peace even as we suffer the loss of all things. You see, as Christians, we believe that to live is Christ and to die is gain. As Christians, we can and we must suffer differently. We can suffer as those who have a living hope, as those who believe that we have an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance awaiting us in heaven. 
Because of the gospel, we know that God loves us. And we know that God has promised to use all things, even our sufferings and our hardships, for our good. So even in the midst of our suffering and pain, we can trust God and have peace because God has promised to use those hardships and the trials in our lives not to ruin us, but to refine us. Not to crush us, but to conform us into the beautiful image of Christ. So the first means of strengthening a church that is discouraged and downcast because of its suffering is through apostolic encouragement and teaching as we're reminded that suffering is to be expected in this life and as we're reminded of our hope of glory in the kingdom of God which is to come. So Christ Central, let the different types of suffering in your life get smaller. Let it get more normal in your eyes. And let the hope of heaven get bigger and more precious in your heart. Because when that happens by faith, you will be strengthened and encouraged to continue on in the faith and to remain faithful to Jesus despite the things that you have suffered or are suffering. By faith, let us believe and confess with the Apostle Paul when he said, We suffer with Christ in order that we may also be glorified with him. For we consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Here's a second means of strengthening the church. The appointment of elders in the church. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church that they planted. And they appointed elders for this purpose. To care for, to encourage, and to strengthen the flock. You see, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders to continue the work that they were, that they were doing after they left. The work of encouraging and strengthening a discouraged church. So elders, by their personal example and by their pastoral words, were to encourage and were to encourage discouraged Christians and were to strengthen weary Christians to remain faithful to Jesus even in the midst of their sufferings and to teach and to remind the church that it is through many hardships that we must enter the kingdom of God. So to the elders and to the pastors of our church, isn't this a very good and timely reminder for us all. I know that we do a lot of things in the church and for the church. We attend a lot of meetings. We make a lot of decisions for the church. And those are all very good and important. But our primary and our most important work as elders and pastors is to shepherd the flock of God and to strengthen and to encourage the flock to remain faithful to Jesus, especially when they're discouraged and they feel like giving up on the faith. And we shepherd and strengthen the flock with our personal example. As we continue to follow Jesus, when we're weary, when we're discouraged, when we feel like giving up, but we press on and we continue to follow Jesus. We are also to encourage the flock as we patiently and lovingly remind them and teach them uh, that, that it is through many sufferings, many hardships that we must enter the kingdom of God. And we're to joyfully remind our people that Jesus is worth it. It is hard to follow Jesus. It is exhausting to follow Jesus, but Jesus is worth it. His love is better than life. He is worth suffering for. And our people who are suffering need to hear that from the mouths of the pastors and the elders of this church. Right now, during this prolonged pandemic, many in our church family are discouraged and weary. COVID has beat us up. 
and beat us down. And there are people in our church who are tired, really tired, and they're on the verge of giving up. And the Lord Jesus has appointed us, the elders and the pastors of this church, to strengthen the souls of our people. So let us encourage our people to continue on in the faith, to remain faithful to Jesus as we remind them that it is through many hardships and sufferings that we must enter the kingdom of God. So the means of strengthening a discouraged church is through both apostolic encouragement and teaching and elders who apply that teaching lovingly and compassionately to the life of the church. Lastly, let's consider the, the one who strengthens and sustains the church. In verse 23, we're told that Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted, and then they did what? They committed the churches to the Lord in whom they believed. You see, at the end of the day, Paul and Barnabas knew it was the Lord who would strengthen the churches. It was the Lord who would preserve and protect his church. It was the Lord who would bring them safely home to his heavenly kingdom one day. Do you realize that we are not citizens of this world trying to make our way to heaven in our own strength? The gospel says that we are citizens of heaven making our way through this world to heaven by the strength that he provides. The gospel says that Jesus is with us and for us and that he will never leave nor forsake us. The gospel says that Jesus will bring us safely home to his heavenly kingdom one day. The gospel says that we are held in his hands and that he will never let us go. I still remember when my kids were little, you know, when they were like five, three, and one, whatever it was, I would take them to the swing pool. And as we would enter into the pool together, they would be afraid, and they would, you know, grasp onto my hands. And my kids thought that their safety depended on how strongly they held on to me. You see, at that time, they were too young to realize that their safety in the pool did not depend on how strongly they held on to me, but on how strongly I held on to my kids. And even if they slipped and lost their balance and lost their grip on me, I would never lose my grip on my kids. They were safe. Not because they held on to me, but because I held on to them. In the same way, it is not the strength of our hold on Jesus that keeps us safe. Rather, it is the strength of his hold on us that keeps us safe. And even when we slip and fall and lose our grip on Jesus. He will never lose his grip on us. He will never let us go. And that is why we are safe and secure because Jesus' hold on us is so strong and so secure. So Christ Central today, if you feel weak, it's okay. Jesus is strong. It is because of his strength that we're safe, not our own. So what's the takeaway for today? What's the so what for today? I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but this new year will probably be hard for all of us. So don't be surprised or shocked if hardship and suffering and inconvenience and broken dreams and broken plans come into your life this year. One or more of the four types of suffering will probably come into your life this year. Suffering because of the gospel, suffering because of things beyond your control, suffering because of the sins of others, or suffering because of your own sins and foolishness. Some combination of these four sufferings will probably come into your life this year. So when it does, 
don't be shocked or dismayed. Instead, trust God. Because God is good and God knows what he's doing. You know, when nothing in your life makes sense to you, trust God anyways. God has his reasons for what he's doing, even if you can't see what those reasons are. So as you suffer this year, remember that your suffering cannot ruin or destroy you. They can only refine and sanctify you. And one day, after you have suffered for a little while in this world, the Lord Jesus will bring you safely home to glory. And there in the new heavens and the new earth, you will live with Christ forever in that place where there is no more suffering, no, no more COVID, no more cancer, no more sadness, no more pain, and no more crying. So Christ's central family, as we endure suffering this year, May our heavenly hope strengthen and encourage us to remain faithful to Jesus, to keep following Jesus even when it's hard, even when we feel like giving up, because we believe that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you today tired, weary, discouraged, and maybe even wanting to give up. We feel so weak today, but our faith is not in our strength, but in your strength. You will hold us, you will strengthen us, and you will sustain us. So never let go of us. Even when we let go of you, never let go of us, Lord Jesus. And would you bring us safely home to your heavenly kingdom one day? Amen.